Welcome to No Challenges Remaining, our annual Draw Me Like One of Your French Opens edition from 2022. I'm Ben Rothenberg, joined here in the main interview room of Roland Garros by NCR's intrepid Spain and Sub-Saharan Africa correspondent, Tumani Cariel. Tumani, how are you doing? I'm um, good, thanks. It's good to be speaking in person. It's good to be the Spain and Sub-Saharan Africa correspondent after Spain's excellent Eurovision result. Yeah, third and, and, place. And Great Britain, so... Yeah, good times. Let's actually start. We're, we're going to talk about these draws. We have the draws in our hands. Uh, we're going to go through them as per usual. Maybe, maybe not quite as granular because I think there are some big picture things that jump out more than uh, all the details, but we'll get to the details in every section a bit. Uh, but first, you mentioned Great Britain. Let's start with the news that finally came out today. We've been waiting for this decision for a while, but the ATP and the WTA both announced in releases today that they had decided to not award ranking points for Wimbledon this year. So we're already talking about the next Grand Slam ahead, right on the eve of the French Open. But uh, we talked about this. We did an episode when they announced the initial Wimbledon ban. You and I did a show. And we talked about this as a possibility. Uh, this was the tour's recourse. This is the power they have. The leverage they have is awarding ranking points. Wimbledon, I think it's fair to say, probably did not anticipate this or seemed caught off guard by it and said they were very disappointed in their statement. Uh, you know, already debates are happening about if this is right or wrong or who's discriminating against whom, uh, discrimination being the word the WTA has used repeatedly. I'm not, this seemed to be kind of the way the tide was shifting in the last few days. I'm not stunned by this decision, but it is still striking in this quote-unquote hashtag Tennis United era to have, you know, all this infighting in the Seven Kingdoms is, it keeps going, man. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, it, it's just, it's funny in particular to see this, just how the different sports have, you know, reacted to Russia's invasion of, of Ukraine and how, I don't know, and how, te as you said, you know, tennis is, you know, we, we tend to view tennis as, you know, con there being constant infighting, but it's, I don't know, just stark when you compare it to other sports. And, you know, I, I, I share your thoughts in, in that it wasn't surprising and particularly given how things have just gone over the weeks, like everything leaned towards this being the decision. And, you know, I think, you know, we, we said at the time that, you know, given that the, the tours are members' organizations, that if any, if any, any, you know, governing body organization or, you know, was, was going to, you know, re respond in defense of the players, it was going to be the tours. And, yeah, this is the tours acting as the player association using that part of their of their you know uh, creation or that part of their existence, right? And as a player association, you cannot abide a rule that limits you know some of your players from being able to enter. That's sort of them being unionish in some way, standing up for for all their people. And granted, in a way that does cause a detriment to everybody in a way from taking away the ranking points. And a lot of players will not be happy with this. Players who uh, you know, like let's say. Again, not, we haven't heard from any of the players since this decision, really, or very few, just been all pair. Um, uh, but someone like Berrettini, let's say, who's defending a lot of points in, 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 on grass and is great on grass, and his ranking's going to fall because of this, because of not having the opportunity to get any points from Wimbledon this year. It's coming off, missing all the clay season from injury and such. Uh, Novak Djokovic, actually, is very likely to lose the number one ranking because of this decision. If he doesn't already at the French Open, which is a possibility, but he's way behind now, uh, uh, Medvedev and probably Zverev too in terms of what the projected rankings post Wimbledon will be. And obviously Djokovic has not played a full schedule. He didn't play Australia. He didn't play uh, Indian Wells, Miami, uh, and so on. But it's, you know there will be consequences in the rankings from this decision. It's not 
it's not uh, sort of neutral in terms of who it will fight. I mean, I do, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not buying a conspiracy that, oh, which I've seen some people say, like, oh, Rafa and Roger conspired to have Novak lose his number one ranking. No, I don't think it's, that's not what's happened here, folks. But it is, you know, it is striking. And I do think we saw this telegraphed from the initial ATP and WTA statements that came out the day of Wimbledon's decision that were both firmly against it. And WTA at the time, again, used that word discrimination. And there are clear policies in the Grand Slam rulebook and in the TORS rulebooks against discrimination based on a nationality. And whether you, I don't know anybody, you know, really, there are people in Russia for sure and occasional outliers elsewhere who support the invasion of Ukraine. Almost no one does. Everyone condemns it in very strong terms. That being said, this does fit the definition of discrimination by nationality to make a rule that certain players of a certain, because of their nationality, are not able to play at Wimbledon. And so I think based on those rules, I think the tour's hands were relatively forced. And the other thing I will say is that as of this point, Wimbledon's decision did not domino anywhere else. Yeah. We thought that it might. We, there was a lot of talk in Rome, or about Rome, that Rome was poised to do it. And there was conversation happening in the Italian governing bodies regarding the Italian Open a couple weeks ago. But in the end, they didn't ban them. Yeah. They did not ban the Russians and Belarusians. And no other countries have stepped out as well. Lots of other countries host tournaments. Any of them could have followed Wimbledon's lead, you know, from... I don't know, even terms with like countries with one tournament, you know, like Portugal for Estoril or Sweden for Bostad or uh, whoever else, you know, is on the calendar, you know, yeah. Sir Togenbosch. Any of them could have done it and none of them did. Wimbledon is yeah. out here on their own. And I mean, we're here at the closest Grand Slam tournament to Wimbledon. That's just a train right away. And, mm -hmm. you know, the Russians and Belarusians are going to compete here from Sunday. On Deeply Sunday. ironic that it's Daniel Medvedev who's the most likely to profit from this decision in terms of getting back the number one ranking potentially. That's deep irony. Although, again, if, if Alexander Zverev makes a deep run, wins this tournament, let's say he's in a good position to get the number one ranking potentially as well. Um, his draw is tough. Uh, blasting on Wimbledon before we get into the details of this French Open draw, do you think it will like meaningfully change the feeling of that tournament to be there with that ranking points? Do you think it'll change the players' attitudes towards matches and competing? Or is the offer of prize money and the prestige of Wimbledon? I mean, this will still count to somebody's Grand Slam count. It's going to be like an Olympic gold medal, basically. Uh, which has no ranking points attached to it currently, but it's still an Olympic gold medal. It will still be a Grand Slam trophy. Yeah. Uh, it's not desanctioned. Yeah, I, I think Wimbledon is still Wimbledon, and you know players will want to win it. They'll, they'll want to, you know, there's obviously prize money to attach. They'll want to be Wimbledon semi-finalist, quarter-finalist. Mm -hmm. They'll want to be, you know, I think there's still sufficient motivation, um, but it does it does change it and it does you know devalue it in in a way since. You know, points are currency, and it's, it's they are in, extremely important, particularly on grass, such a specialist surface where some players, you know, that's you know they, they have such a small amount of time to to gain points, and that takes a lot a lot away from them. Um, I, I'd also add just just think looking at the, the Wimbledon statement actually, um, you know, as we said, other slams haven't followed, but they they made sure to you know state that they're they'll consider their options further and that they're in discussion with, with the other slams. And, I mean, it would be interesting to see if they have further action against the ADP. You know, there's, there's been discussions about, you know, whether or not they're accurate or, or true, just about the, the prospect that Wimbledon and other slams could, this could be the start of them breaking away and making their own rankings. Their own retaliation. Exactly. And, you know, I'm not mm -hmm. sure, I'm not sure how, you know, that will ever happen, but it's just 
well, it's, it's just inter- interesting to see where, where we go from here. Basically. It's just tough because I did a, a chart on my Twitter of, uh, you know, way basically my guide for following modern day tennis right now, what different things, different places are doing. And Wimbledon's on its own, basically, with this in terms of the individual tournaments. Yes, Davis Cup and, and Billie Jean King Cup both have also banned the Russian teams and Belarusian teams from competing. Uh, but in terms of individual tournaments, Wimbledon's on its own. So I don't think it's going to rally support, you know, from the other slams even at this point. We don't know. I mean, the U.S. Open and the French Open commented and has talked about it. They have addressed it. They talked about it via having them here, you know, and having Russian and Belarusian players at this tournament and fully good standing at this tournament uh, without their flags redacted. So that's still the policy as it is on the tours. Um, but uh, they're playing on here, and there's no indication yet from the U.S. Open that they will be following suit, and no indication from Australia they following suit. We don't know. We haven't heard from either of those organizations yet. Uh, but Wimbledon, yeah, it's, it's literally and figuratively on an island right now. And, uh, it's, yeah, it's, just, it's a fascinating time. We talked about this at the beginning, but to have Wimbledon, which is really the cradle of the sport, be the one that's sort of being isolated or ostracized and, and divided up from these other, you know, companies the tours which are also have london offices and you know are very you know cozy in their own ways and their day-to-day practices and stuff and have lots of employees who've gone from one to another and so on like it's uh it's a striking moment for sure and uh yeah, yeah. just just one more thing i'd say about wimbledon how like in, in their statement today and and in and in, in the atp tried to kind of contest it wimbledon have kind of lent heavily on the, the uk government guidance and and how that kind of handcuffed them and made them, you know, limited their options. And I think the, the one question that I have and, that, you know, I'm looking forward to asking is just what would, you know, what happens if they, what happens if you don't follow the government? You know, right. they, they've kind of framed it as if we could only do this, whereas, you know, they're an, an individual, you know, organization and, you know, we apparently... You know, yeah. with the, their own agency that they should have anyway. So that, that's just something I'm interested in. The cleaner way to do it would have been, you know, for the British government to ban Russians and Belarusians from entering the country, yeah. right? That would have been a way that took Wimbledon's, you know, left them, you know, sort of just helpless in a good way, just saying not responsible essentially for the decision. And, you know, and that would, I guess they're just not doing that in terms of that would be a whole scale travel ban in a way we, I guess, haven't seen during this war, which is a little bit interesting. Because um, that's certainly the posturing that's happening. And it goes to Wimbledon sort of, you know, pseudo-governmental in the way that the royal family is pseudo-governmental because the royal family is visibly part of Wimbledon. Of course, yeah. And, and it's, you know, Elizabeth is still the head of state for them. And it's 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 messy there. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting in that way. And, and yeah, you're right. The ATP called out, your hands were actually not bound. You did have a choice yeah. here. And the other thing that, Wimble- that the ATP called out, which I appreciate, and one thing I, I definitely agree with, and we talked about this on our first show about it too, was the idea that um, Wimbledon had already made this political and already made this into a political issue because they made the Russian tennis players and Belarusians uh, into victims and, and already were a propaganda tool by banning them. You already made them political actors in this in a way that's already been you know bandied about in Russian media, saying, look at the West being unfair by banning our our innocent tennis players have nothing to do with this and stopping them from playing at a tournament. Like, that's discrimination. And Wimbledon started that. You know, and, and this is, you know, obviously there's some, you know, pointing to already that Russia is cheering this decision to yeah. take away the points. Um, Russian media, Russian various outlets um, are cheering this, but also, like, Wimbledon started it, honestly. So I don't, yeah. you know, yeah. And, and, and I'd say that, in my, my opinion, this is a, well, first of all, I'd say, you know, regarding this pseudo-governmental 
you know, their role, that they're part of the establishment. Yeah. And, and I just, I don't know, I feel like we're in a far worse position than if thing, you know, than, than if, if Russians were, were neutral. In, in terms of this becoming such a, a divisive issue where, you know, as you said, Russian, you know, regime and propaganda have can't have used it to paint themselves as victims. Like, this feels like a far, far worse position than many of the other options. And, and if the tours were, came to a collective decision, you know, that, that they haven't, that's the far worse this, uh, yeah. position. Again, it just goes to the unilateral nature of it. And, and again, things are still disjointed on the tours and in the sport. And in my, you know, graphic, like, as of now, Djokovic, who's the number one player in the world as of now, would still not be able to enter Australia or the United States because of his vaccine status. Uh, assuming we hasn't gotten vaccinated since we last heard about it, which I doubt he has. You know, it's disjointed and fractured and, and everything. And uh, it's just how tennis is. And again, like China, too, like ATP still has on their calendar tournaments in China. And they don't know if they're going to be able to hold those tournaments or not because of mostly because of the vaccine uh, or sorry, the, uh, the pandemic restrictions in China right now and the very strict lockdowns. And just it's not an easy time to be event planning in a major Chinese city with everything that's been going on there. But they didn't take the stand that WTA did. So it's just like, it's ironic that Tennis United came and now tennis is more fractured than ever in some ways. Than it's ever. than ever. Um, not even to mention the PTPA of it all uh, in any of this. I'm curious what they're going to say. They're probably going to say, like, we're doing a lot of listening or something <laughs> equally useful to their first statement. Yeah, so that's basically Wimbledon. That that really was sort of, and the timing of it was where they were like waiting. People thought they were waiting for uh, media day to be over today when all the players could be asked about it. But like, uh, y'all, all we're going to do is ask them about it for their yeah. first matches. Like, they didn't dodge any bullets here. They just kept them suspended in the air longer like they're in the Matrix. Yeah, but dump, dumping this on Friday night is, is a bit mad. It's, it's a bit crazy. <laughs> yeah. They should have done it during the Champions League final if they were being smart. Yeah. That's how you play it. I know all about soccer. Yeah. All right. Uh, Football, yeah. Go soccer. On. No, soccer. We U.S. women getting paid equally now at soccer. Let's talk about these draws at the... French Open. Do you want to talk about the men or the women first, Tamani? Uh, let's, let's go with women first. Okay, women first. Iga Sviantek, uh is the top seed in here. And I throw it about for racket when I was watching the draw ceremony. Like, I was like, is there suspense in this draw? Like, I don't know. Because Iga, in terms of big picture, in terms of champion of the tournament, Iga is the best. And it's sort of, a, I think you have to allow yourself to entertain the idea that there could be someone who's difficult for her. And I think it's really Iga... Not totally against herself. I mean, other players will play and will do different things and challenge her in different ways. But it feels like Iga against herself or Iga against, you know, the pressure or Iga against, uh, you know, whatever it may be at this turn because she's been that damn good this year. And and in the last several months, she's on a 28-match win streak since we last uh, recorded an episode. I think she's won Stuttgart and and Rome. Uh, 28 wins and really dominant. Uh, Rafa was in, I asked Rafa about her and he was marveling just her how, like, how badly she's beating people yeah. and like stuff and like he's been paying some attention and watching some of her and they're, they're kind of buddies which is cute and uh, can, I, can I talk about that for a yeah, second? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do think that the this is just my hot take but I do think that the Rafa Iga thing is a bit overblown you know like I, I think Iga can, considers Rafa obviously an idol and she, she, that's how she learned how to hit topspin from watching him. Mm-hmm. But she's also like constantly said that she she didn't she never used to watch tennis growing up, and she never really had, you know, a proper you know in the same way that Kasatkina, you know, is upset. You know, I disagree. Have you, you disagree? seen Have you seen the video that they put out of her doing the Rafa quiz? 
the yeah. ATP WTA yeah. put out with her in the Rafa quiz versus Sebastian Corda. Yeah. Like, she does really well. She knows his birthday. Yeah. Like, it's pretty deep. Yeah. She, she's like June 3rd. Yeah. <laughs> First, she pretends like she doesn't know, and then June 3rd pops out of her mouth. Like, that's yeah. when you know the guy's, you know, personal details. That's. I don't know. I, I, I think it's a bit. I, I mean, I'd put her on a lower level than Kasakina. Yeah, so. Kasakina is more yeah. of a, a long term stand. Yeah. For sure. No, but yeah, she's not the biggest, but there is still, you know, she clearly looks up to him and yeah. talks about him a lot and went and stayed and watched his. Uh, Australian Open final was there watching that. Um, pretty into the media seats, I could see her there. Uh, she did cry. Yeah, yeah. You know, she's she's like she's she's a big fan, and, and she these interactions with him do mean a lot to her. Yeah. And and he acknowledges her, and he's honestly someone not, not someone who's really paid a lot of attention to the women's tour much ever during his career that yeah. I can ever think of. And so the fact that he's like aware of Sviantec and and knows about her. And so I remember last year at the uh, at the in the last year's drama, like one of your French Open podcasts, Courtney and I. Played a game with the women's draw because there was a vi- there was a video um, that came out of, of Rafa and, and Iga practicing together very very briefly here in uh, la- in Paris last year, and he was asking Iga who do you play first round, and he- she was like Okai oh, Yuvan. Rafa had no idea who that was, <laughs> and so we played a game throughout the draw sporadically saying Does Rafa know who this woman is <laughs> throughout the women's draw, um, and. Uh, we're not going to do it this time, but it was it, anyway. Rafa is not not like Andy Murray, who's obviously kept very close tabs on the women's tour, but he's with Iga. He's clearly up on her and, and has a clear amount of respect for her and, and knows what's going on with her. So anyway, that's that's kind of what I feel about Rafa and Iga. Um, yeah. It's it's not like they're besties. They're not like going you know getting gelato together after their Rome matches or whatever. But like they're they're buds and you know in a way that's unique for Rafa, I think, with a women's player. And uh, yeah, and with Iga. Shakes a lot of it, and yeah, and, and her sort of level of inevitability feels Nadal-esque, even though obviously she has not done it much at the Grand Slam level. She has one, one Grand Slam title in her career, uh, young career, and it's just a question of how she'll respond to this this moment. Yeah. I, I do. I, I would say just on that, I do think, although she's she's clearly the heavy favorite, and you know, I agree with all that you said. I know it's, it's just we, we've talked about this. Just that these, those twenty eight matches came at the the part of the season. Far the furthest from a slam, basically. Yeah, longest gap between slams. Yeah, and yeah. so she's this will this is going to be different, and it's it's a lot, you know I, I think a lot of people thought that it might have even been more beneficial for her to to lose in I don't know, deep in Rome, yeah, than to come here with that twenty eight match winning streak on her back. So I don't I, disagree with that theory. Yeah, yeah so it's taking the it would take let a little air out of the balloon before yeah. it pops. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with that, but I also do think that like tennis wise. Iga is so far ahead of the yeah. pack right now. Uh-huh. Like, it's one of those things, like, when we've seen other players with win streaks, notably even, like, Serena, right? With Serena, like, you kind of knew there were junk ball kind of players on clay or something like that, or, you know, people who you could, you've seen her, we'd seen her, also, she was more established at the point of most of her big streaks. So, right, so we'd seen her lose more. We knew what her, we knew what a Serena loss looked like, whereas Iga's relatively, as a top, top player, is relatively new, and I just haven't seen the wheels come off of her as much. Yeah. So that's that's some recency bias or just some lack of data bias towards her. Yeah, but I think that she's very good. And I think to get to the draw, I think her first two rounds are really no problem starting at Serenko. Poor Serenko, by the way, also qualified uh, in Australia and drew Ash Barty first round. So her second time in a row qualifying and uh, getting the top seed in the first round. Shout out, of course, to Victoria Chiesa for that stat. Um, <laughs> of course. And then so Ego was against Serenko, then gets winner of Risk Yastrzemska second. I think those are both fine. And then I, I, the one of the tougher draws is I was trying to imagine 
conflict for her. A real tough, potentially tough draw is in the third round against uh, Lumila Samsonova, who gave her her toughest match by far of this win streak, yep. uh, and certainly on clay, uh, needed 7-5 in the third in Stuttgart to beat her there. Very good different conditions in Stuttgart than at the French Open, much more for fast hitting and indoors, which Samsonova, those, Samsonova, those who haven't seen her, is a uh, uh, real power player yep. um, and won the Berlin Grass title last year, for example. So that's a, a, a potentially tough match for her. And then in the fourth round, she could get a former French Open champion, potentially either either in the form of Simona Halep, who cleaned Iga's clock in her first French Open here uh, in 2019, only to lose to her in 2020 uh, by a similarly lopsided match. Played a relatively tough in Indian Wells this year. And Halep's had some good results under new coach Patrick Mortoglu. Lost early in Rome, but really against a really informed Danielle Collins in that match. Or the other one is Eleni Ostapenko, who was the last player who Eagle lost to. Yeah. Um, and is a complete, she's someone who can really dictate play against almost anybody with what a ball basher she is and how aggressive she is and what a great returner she is. Um, yeah, and, and she's I, been awful, though, lately, yeah. since she won Dubai. Yeah, she, she's been very poor, but I guess if she was to make it to, to that round some, yeah. somehow, um, what she could, because we know how streaky she can be, um, She's also a, t- a tough matchup for um, Shriantek. She's the type of player, you know, with the just uber aggression that can rush Shriantek and make her, you know, she she wants more ry- rhythm. And she's kind of, she said that. So That's how Collins beat her at the Australian Open, yeah, yeah, too. Yeah. She's so, crushing early balls. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Do you think, let's, before we move on to the other sections, because I want to sort of just stick to Shriantek here, I don't think there's anybody, honestly, who really stands out as a road, black, road bump for her in the quarterfinal round that she could face. So this section is uh, the Carolina Pliskova section is number eight. Uh, also in there, Alexandrova, uh, Zdancic, and Pagula are the seeds. Uh, we'll get to that section more granularly, but I want to wrap up our Iga part of this episode. Do you think Iga's going to win this tournament? Like, yes, or if not, what does a loss look like? I think... Yes, I think she'll win. I what, think so what, too. What, what, yeah. I mean, it's an Iga versus the field tournament, and yeah. Iga just feels like the smart pick. There's no, I don't think there's a rational reason to pick against her that we've seen. Not saying that she can't win. She can, not that she can't lose, rather. Not that she can't lose. She can certainly lose. It's sports. Everybody out here is a professional. And, she can lose. And it's, a, and it's a slam. I'd say about, yeah. like, slams are where players can find, you know, yeah. if, if, if what would an Iga loss look like, it would look like her being. Slightly off a, or a lot, but slightly off a game and nervous, and nervous, and, and someone just treeing. I will say also that she was a pretty big favorite midway through the French Open last, last year. year. Oh, for sure. Yeah, once the draw, once the draw started falling apart a little bit. I, I think she was she was favorite from the beginning. After well. she won Rome, maybe very yeah. possibly, but then especially once Barty went out yeah. uh, with injury, and then she got to the quarters and was still a pretty prohibitive favorite and lost to Sakari a little bit surprisingly uh, in that round. Um, yeah, I, I I think again we'll we'll keep obviously keep tabs on her. Um, but I think she, her level is going to have to drop, is really what I think. Um, and it can, but I also think that she's, A, very consistent at slams. Uh, she's made fourth round of every slam since winning the French Open, which is really good. Yeah. Um, at least fourth round. Uh, some means at the Australian Open this year. And, yeah, I, I just think she has a good support team around her, obviously, or much talked about, you know, a traveling sports psychologist and sort of manager and all sorts of different things for her. Uh, Dari Bramovitz, manager's not the right word, but, you know, handles a lot of different stuff for her and is with her a lot. Um, on the tour, uh, coach Thomas Utorowski, very experienced coach, longtime coach of Aga Radvanska. Like, 
these are, you know, it's a good solid team. And I, yeah. I just I just think it'll take something special, both in her dipping and someone else rising for, for her to be in trouble. And that goes all the way to the final. That's everybody. That includes, you know, the kind of shortlist players like your own Shabers, like uh Krejcikova, let's say if she's at her best at this tournament as defending champ, we'll get to her later, Pedosa, whoever it may be, like uh Sakari again. Like it's gonna take something special from somebody, even the best players. Even like, you know, Osaka or Andrescu, yeah. uh, who are the sort of dangerous floaters in the bottom half. Um, let's get a little more granularly into just who might make the quarterfinal in Shantek's section here, in the other part of the section. Uh, Caroline Pliskova, it's funny to draw against Jess Pagula, who famously pigeoned her uh, last year, beating her all over the place, lots of different tour stops, uh, when they were both, again, odd places in the rankings. Uh, Pagula's played really well. Pagula's played well on clay. Yeah. Uh, is really turned into an all-service player. We've said it before on the show, but like it's crazy she never got to America number one because she's had so many chances and really should have gotten it last year, except for Kennan was kept way inflated in the rankings, and now Collins somewhat out of nowhere made an Australian Open final to pass her when she would have gotten it there. Um, uh, Pagula opens against Wong Chung, uh, and then could get Haley Baptiste in the second round, who we just watched yeah. uh, play a great qualifying finish. Yeah, I mean, based on... What we saw, Haley Baptiste is going to win the tournament because <laughs> we we went at about I think she was was up three two. She was up three two in the third, and she lost like two points from when, when we were watching. She, and like played spectacular yeah. tennis. Was, yeah. yeah, so I'm, I'm I'm glad to see Baptiste in 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 the main draw just because she's a really fun player to watch. Agreed. She got a rough first round though because she plays uh, Annalena Kalinina, who's been one of the solid yeah. players of the year. Yeah. Uh, very good on clay as well from Ukraine. And uh, Kalinina could, could make could, the quarters yeah, here for sure. Yeah. Kalinina is definitely in the mix here. Uh, Pliskova has not been great this year. I had a better week this week in uh, Strasbourg, I think. I don't know if she's still playing there or if she lost there in the semis, but she was at least in the semis there, I believe. Uh, she just opens against Tessa Andrianja Fitrimo. Uh, it's a wild card here. Uh, I just like that I can say that name, so yeah. I just say it. Uh, and <laughs> against also uh, another fun name, uh, wild card who played um, uh, tennis in America, uh, Jean Jean, Leolia Jean Jean, who played for Lynn University or College in uh, Florida. Uh, so there's some buzz about her. Uh, yeah, I, I think this is a great section. We haven't mentioned uh, Tamara Sudansha who made the semifinals last year here. Um, she opened against Claire Liu, uh, who's in a final this week. Uh, Marta Kostiuk in here, too. There's some fun. This is a fun section. Yeah. Like, take out the sort of, like, does it matter for the trophy thing, which is, which is very un-WTA. Usually every section matters for the trophy and WTA draws uh, at slams. But this one, maybe not as much. But this is still a fun section. I watch a lot of these matches for sure. Uh, the next quarter of the draw is the Paula Bedosa quarter in the top half. She's number three seed. Uh, Bedosa is in a section. The other high seed, well, let's start with her, her 16th of the, or 8th of the draw. Um, uh, Lena Rabakina is the 16th there as the high seed. Madison Keyes is also in here. She's had a very sort of hot and cold year. Uh, Keyes, 22 seed. And Veronica Kudermatova is the 29th seed here. As someone who I feel like should be ranked higher. I feel like Kudermatova is just like, yeah, yeah. I always feel that way about her. But she, like, she's had some good runs. Particularly like recent, this year. Yeah. yeah. Not been great on clay, I guess, this year. Yeah. I, I, worth mentioning in context of whatever, the Russians writ large have not been good this year. Since the war started, they've all had kind of underperformed, honestly, from Medvedev, Rublev. Pavlyuchenkova is out for the year now. She's last year's finalist. Mention her. Uh, they're just not, they're not having their best results here. Um, unsurprisingly. Um uh, but Osa, yeah, this is an interesting little section for her. She's never made, she has not made a slam semi before. Uh, she's up to number two uh, in the rankings in in Madrid. Uh, so put, put in the dose in Bedosa. Uh, and uh, wow. you like that, right? No, I didn't. No, Ter- come on. Terrible accent. I, I, I initially didn't even know what you were saying. Dose. 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 
dosed. I, know. I, I hear the same things, folks. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, also in this section, I want to shout out to Taylor Townsend, who's in her first Grand Slam since uh, coming back from maternity leave, uh, looking looking right. fit and, yeah. and good and playing well right. already. Yeah. And uh, interesting first match against Caroline Garcia. That should be a, a pretty match in terms of just tennis aesthetics and two very elegant players to watch. That, that's a fun one. That would be a fun like night session even or something to maybe make it good for American TV time. Honestly, I would endorse a Townsend Garcia night match. Um, yeah, who do you think makes it out of the sort of eight? Do you think Bedosa, who has not been great on clay, uh, do you think that she has uh, the form to uh, yeah make it to her quarterfinal here again? Make quarters here last year. I, I, I could see, yeah, as you said, she's she struggled, you know, the last few weeks. But I could see her kind of just getting a few matches under her belt and and, and moving through the draw. Um, as much as as up and down as as you already said, Keys has been. She, I don't. She just has a knack for slams and. You she's know, good at this slam particularly. Yeah, she's yeah. had some good French Open yeah, results. Yeah, yeah. She, she like yeah. I think particularly like when it's hot and you know it's it's fast, but she also has time to set up for her strokes. She's mm-hmm. oh, she's just very solid, at, good at making. Just navigating to the second week of slams. So. And then Rabakina is in here. She yeah. made quarters last year here. She's a decent clay quarter, yeah. good clean ball striker. There's just some great ball strikers in this section yeah. here. Kudamatova I would put in that category as well. Like this is a, this is a fun section. Then you got like Alexander Krunich is a qualifier in here. She's always a good value add to any section. Uh, I like this section. I I could honestly envision any of the four seeds making it out. Yeah. I can make a case for all of them. I think Bedosa is the best player of them. Uh, if all's going well, and she's been a good slam player too, relatively since her, her glow up, or at least played well here last year, I would say. So I don't know. I think she's kind of do a better result, uh, Bedosa. I don't think she's doing that much wrong in her in her loss. I think she's just run up against informed players, um, particularly mm-hmm. Halep in the second round of. Uh, uh, yeah. But that was that after beating Kudermetova first round, so yeah. it was a tough draw there. That wasn't pretty. But no, but I think yeah, but I think that was Halep peaking. Yeah. Honestly, I think Halep was really kind of showing off for her new coach, uh, Patrick Mortogler. We might we might read on that match. Um, the other section of the of the Bedosa quarter um, feature is led by Arena Sabalenka, who's been just rough, uh, up and down, and made made a final in Stuttgart, but just kind of getting a lot of implosions. I think she has a actually a pretty great draw, although I would enjoy seeing a inform Madison Brengel potentially and that's the perfect kind of opponent to unnerve uh, Sabalenka, Sabalenka potentially I would really like to watch that match uh, in the second round potentially after uh, Madison Brengel opens against Dr. Mihaila Buzernescu who's back in the mix uh, as a lucky loser uh, fourth rounder here a few years ago uh, yeah but actually might and then Daniel Collins is the number nine seed in here is the other high seed in here uh, who was very sharp in her win over Halep, really good in that win over Halep. I watched that in Pia Trangeli, and I was just sort of blown away by, by her. Um, she can absolutely make the uh, the quarter here, but I think my pick actually in here is Daria Kasatkina, yeah. uh, who's in here, uh, uh, just made the semis of Rome, had yeah. match point, point against Anjabur, uh, started, got, got tight serving, unbelievably <laughs> slow serves. It was crazy. Like, um, 50, 50 mile an hour. Yeah. Which like, normally doesn't register. Doesn't register. I was like, these are some of the slowest serves I've ever seen show up on the gun yeah. uh, that Kasatkina was hitting. Uh, but like, she's just, a, I think she's really feeling well. She's actually the one Russian sort of doing well yeah. right now, most notably probably. Um, yeah, I, I I like what she's uh, what she's doing, and again, this is another really fun section. I can make it. Georgie has not played much or well. I don't think she's really a factor here. Um, but Putin Sabas made quarterfinals here a couple times before. She's in this section also. Um, I like Kasakina, but I also, uh, you know, Sabalenka 
sorry, not Sab- well, Sabalenka, you know, could get it together. I can never totally count her out. Or Collins wouldn't wouldn't shock me either. Collins has made no. quarters here before. Yeah. Her her great come on montage video was from this tournament yeah. after all. It, the, the, it was the the year without spectators, right? So yeah. it just shook off the the stadium. <laughs> and so many different kinds of come on. Yeah, yeah. It was it was right. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's the Ashbati of come on. Yeah, <laughs> the slices. So many different types of uh, yeah. different, you know, words for snow or whatever people say. All right, so th- who do you think makes it out of that quarter? Uh, so Bedosa and Kasakina potentially could get uh, I, I in there. Kasakina, like, I think Malek is in Kasakina right I, now. I agree. I, I think she's playing more now. I think her form has been like, has gradually improved over the past like year. Eight, you know, I mm-hmm. think she's, yeah, she just, it depends. When when she gets close, will she have? An, will she serve fifty miles an hour? Or? Mm, yeah, and that, that, and those moments might come earlier in the tournament than yeah. that. But yeah, um, and she won some of those points too. I mean, but it's it's tricky as Brangle can tell you. Like serving that off speed yeah. is actually not the easiest thing to attack all yeah. the time. It was just, just just on that. Like, it, was, it was that that game was funny because you know she got to match points serving like that, and it wasn't until Ons was just like I'm step I'm stepping in forward, I'm stepping into the court, I'm going to attack, and then. It so, made it, but that's not always easy. Sometimes yeah, yeah. you just get mad and start slapping. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And that's certainly what, again, like Brengel, I've seen a lot of Brengel doing that to the Ashramskas of the world um, repeatedly. Uh, all right, so here we have the bottom half of the jaw we're looking at now. Uh, let's start with the uh, top. We're going just top down on the page. So we'll start with the eighth of the draw that involves Madrid champion and Rome finalist on Shabur, who really has been the second best player on clay. Uh, pretty clearly, I was on an 11 match win streak of her own going into the Rome final in which she lost pretty handily to Iga Svantec. But I think sorry, she's the clear power rankings number two right now, just in terms of clay rankings, in terms of, of form. Um, her backing up that that Madrid win with the Rome title final was really, really impressive for someone who's not been known for uh, sort of, you know, endurance or stringing yeah. good matches together. And, and also just, like, not been known for the mental side because, yeah. you know, she was exa- she was clearly exhausted in parts of Rome. and But she, then, you know, she... Constantly found a second win against Sakari when she was down, was it two and one or one? You know, yeah, six, 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 two, five, one. I think so. And and then against obviously Kasakina when she, you know, she looked like she was he- heading to win the final set. Then she kind of lost lost energy, went down a match point, and then just snapped and played some just absurd tennis to to take it take the match. So yeah, she's she's been doing incredibly well, and I just I like how just gradual her her development and growth has been. It's been it's taken a long time. She won you know the French Open juniors in I want to say 2011, 2010, something like that. Yeah, and it's just you know year mostly year after year she's improved, and yeah, now, now she's a clearly a contender. Absolutely, and she has actually I think a pretty good draw. Here, uh, she opens against Magdalenette, who's not a particularly great clay quarter usually. Uh, and then uh, Martina Trevisan or Harriet Dart. Trevisan's in a final this week, and uh, uh, Trevisan in Rabat. Uh, and then the other seed in here is Petra Kvitova, yep. who I wouldn't normally class as an easy draw, but I just haven't seen much of her this year because she hasn't been winning. Yes, I mean, it's, it's, kinda, it's been a bad year. It's been a bad year for Kvitova. Bad year. Um, and then in the next uh, section, uh, Angelique Kerber is actually also in a final. She's in a final yeah. in Strasbourg. Yeah, uh, which is... Incredible. Wild for her to get a clay it, yeah. final. It's actually so she's made a check. She's made four final clay court finals, and two of those were in Stuttgart. Door and different, yeah. yeah. And one of them was the Bogota Slam in, in, <laughs> when she was ranked like eighty fourth in twenty ten. Yeah. So so this is 
you know, this doesn't happen. No. So if she's, if she's figured out something, maybe she's someone to keep an eye on against on. So she makes it, she's one of those players, if she starts winning matches, she can pay attention. But like I, and her draw is actually pretty good. Um, and then obviously in here is the 12 seed is Emma Raducanu, who opens against an even younger opponent yeah. in Linda Noshkova. Noshkova? Yeah. I haven't pronounced that before. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what do you think? I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited about that. I like Noshkova. Actually, I've, I've seen her play quite a bit. I, I mean, I, I mention it all the time that I once covered an under-14 event in Prostayov, mm-hmm. and the, this group of, like, you know, under-14 players, and it was her, it was, you know, Fugard, yeah, and, you know, others, Robert Montgomery, and, yeah, she was one of them, and she was always impressive. She kind of reminds me of a bit of Benchich, and, like, she takes the ball early and, you know, can redirect off both sides really well, really nice back end down the line. So she's the youngest Czech since Nicole Radisova to... Um, qualify for a slam, I think, is the stat. And mm-hmm. this is how, you know, she'll be on some kind of show court. That'll be, ex- you know, that's, that's the way you show off your game. So It's an amazing testament to the Czech women's tennis pipeline. There are multiple teenagers named Linda doing things <laughs> this year. I mean, honestly, it's 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 incredible. And it keeps coming for them. Uh, how's Emma doing? Mm, so this, this has been a... This, this clay court season has been better than... I think she or most people expected, given, given how, um, you know, just inexperienced she is on the surface. She's kind of, her, her game, you know, she, she seemed like a fast court player. That's that's where she's played her best tennis, you know, taking the ball early. But she's kind of shown variety in her game. and you know, She moves really well in class. Yeah, yeah. And, and adding like spin, you know, top spin, angles, some drop shots and stuff. So it's been positive from that, that standpoint, but... The obvious issue is that every week there's a new injury or ailment, you know. Whether or the same injury, this back issue has yeah. been for a couple of weeks. So the yeah. back issue or blisters or... So I was just going to say, it's, obviously it's kind of almost expected given that she's just played... It's just, even when she was a junior, she didn't play so much, so many tournaments. You know, she's still... Her body's still getting used to it. And, I mean, in the good, the good side, it seems like since um, Rome, when she... Retired in the second set against Andrescu. She took some, you know, she t- took it easier. And in her practices, she was moving much better. Like, she looked mobile and confident and, and happy. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see if she can keep her body together. Because I don't think that's a, t- even, I don't think that's a terrible, it's not the worst draw. E- no. Even with this this tough and, you know, unknown first round, which will be very interesting. I think she could, win, if, she went, if she was to win a couple of matches, I think that would be a... Yeah. Solid platform going into the grass season. I agree. I mean, she just did so much ahead of schedule that I just think her physicality and her fitness and her sort of strength and durability, just from being a so young person and yeah. very new to professional sports, was not up to the level of sort of being a full time top level tour player. And she's doing some catch up with that physically. And yeah. just as you know, she did everything in her career so out of order, winning the US Open so early as a qualifier. Uh, it just doesn't happen. So th- these things yeah. are going to, I think, I think hopefully it, it seems like, you know, People are largely giving her space. Wimbledon's going to be a whole scene with her, but uh, we'll uh, get, there, get there when we get there. And if, yeah, it, and, and even just like seeing her quote-unquote struggles, if, if you could, they can even be called that, it just reinforces how crazy that US Open was. Right, because she was nowhere near playing. It was amazing. She got into the main, Wimbledon yeah. draw yeah. a year ago. Like French Open time last year, she, barely anyone had ever heard of her. Yeah. And now she's such a thing and like a thing who we're like worried is underachieving. Which is ridiculous because she's not. Uh, this next section of the draw is the Maria Sakkari draw. 
um, quarter, or uh, it is the Marie Sacre quarter, but it's the eighth of her draw so, specifically. So, sorry, who do you think is going to go from? Shiber. I think Shiber is the percentage agree. play there. I agree. 100%. Although if Raducanu is, you know, really in form, I like. I would like to see that match Shiber against a good Raducanu. I'd be into that. Yeah. On a warm day, that might be fun. Mm-hmm. And this next section, uh, the eighth of the draw, is the Marie Sacre draw, which sets up the possibility of a rematch of that match in uh, Rome, which is the fairly, you know epic comeback slash collapse and the Shabur went over Sakari there in the quarterfinals uh, but Sakari uh, opens with Clara Burrell uh, and then I uh, could get Caroline Mukova which is not a good draw this is, this is a stack section it's a stack section and then gets to the one I think really circleable first round match in this draw uh, which Naomi Osaka uh, who was one of the floaters in this in this section drew um, was going to draw a seed uh, was in, when she landed the draw before they, they put the unseeded players in first, like, so I could tell she was going to play a twenty-five through thirty-two seed. Yeah, I was looking at the list, and I, there, it's a mix in there because there's some good players and some you know it's, it's a mixed bag in that section of the rankings. But the one she she draws is Amanda Nisimova, who has had a great clay season, semifinals Charleston, quarterfinal Madrid, quarterfinal Rome, uh, playing really really solid, just sort of soaring up the rankings and. Notably beat Osaka uh, after saving some match points uh, in the third round of the Australian Open this year uh, when Australia, uh, Osaka was defending champion of that slam. It seems like a long time ago that she won the 2021 Australian Open, but she was still defending champion. Uh, and then uh, Osaka, as she mentioned, perhaps that was actually interesting that she mentioned, Osaka got clobbered by her at this tiebreak tens event <laughs> in, uh, in Indian Wells before that tournament. Uh, it was not close. And that was an interesting sort of way to have that rematch you yeah. know, happen. Uh, from the Australian Open. So Osaka also comes in here, I think, pretty physically compromised. Uh, she has not been on the practice schedule a bunch of days. Uh, she pulled out of Rome after also missing some practices there as well. Um, she has this Achilles injury, left Achilles injury that she strained in Madrid uh, sometime before her second-round match against uh, uh, Cyrus Rivas Tormo, uh, which she lost pretty lopsidedly. She's not someone who's had a lot of injury issues in her career, Osaka, generally, that have, in terms of, like, nagging injuries that she's talked about or that have been, you know, sort of... She's pulled out of a lot of tournaments uh, preventatively, I think, largely before Grand Slam. She's kind of, not notorious as well, but she's kind of gotten used to doing that. She did it in Australia this year. She's done it before, you know, in Cincinnati final in 2020. Uh, and in 2021 in Australia, she did it also. Um, but this, I think, was a little... This is more of a sort of concern, and she's been, again, not on the practice schedule here a couple days. She she was open about that, but said there was nothing that would stop her from playing. Uh what do you make of her? We'll get to sort of the coming back to this place part, but what do you make of her just sort of as a prospect for this match and Nismova Osaka? Um, I mean, it's it's obviously been a t- tough clay court season, given, I mean, as she said multiple times, actually, she actually came to the clay early to, you know, try and prepare, you yeah. know, as she said. Um, I think this is a, not only is Nismova playing extremely well, but this is a ma- matchup issue for Osaka, I think. Just like, I think the, the one style of play that she struggles with is the the early ball strikers who take time from from her and you know rush her. That's the same with Benchic. Even you know even though Benchic mm-hmm. doesn't hit as big, just the the time just is, is tough for her. And we, we saw that kind of in Australia when you know she you know she Anisimova's returns were just rushing her so much and she netted netted so many balls as a result. I, I mean, in one way, as, as she kind of mentioned actually, it might help to, that it's on clay and theoretically slower and gives her more time. But, I mean, it's just tough. It could also yeah. give Anissimo more time to crush yeah, her absolutely. returns. And, and as, as we've seen, Anissimova likes clay and is playing well yeah. in clay and former semi-finalists. Yeah, I don't, I don't really buy the Naomi 
musing that this could help her being Al Clay. No, but, but, but just but just in terms of the, the time that yeah. just just that one one aspect of the matchup. Um, but yeah, it's just tough. For, you know, with, with the injuries, with the lack of playing on the surface, not only this year but previous years. Um, so, so yeah, what, what, I mean, first and foremost, we'll see what condition she's in when when she takes the call. It wasn't it wasn't the most reassuring press conference today when she was just like, um, you know, I was, there's no way I was going to withdraw from the tournament. I'll just take some painkillers and you know, it's not exactly yeah. It's, yeah, I just hope she's not risking any bigger injury. Yeah, with being you know honestly kind of stubborn about it, but also determined. And she was interesting about it. I asked her about that, like what makes you not want to you know makes you so determined to play here at a tournament that. You know, she should have kind of mixed feelings about both competitively and for other reasons I'm about to get into that, uh, you know, but she's just like, I have a you know, limited career. I don't want to pass up the chance to win slams. She loves slams. Yeah, and I do wonder just how much, because she, she she knows some of the things that people say about her, and I wonder how much she hit, reads the people who are critical of her withdrawing from tournaments and, you know, I don't know, that, that kind of thing. And I, you know, I think she really did have her heart set on having a much better clay. She said at the beginning of... Madrid in her pre-tournament press there that her goal for the tournament was to or sorry goal for, the, for the, those couple of weeks was to make the semis in either at least semis rather and at least Madrid or Rome and obviously she got hurt and fell well yeah. short of that and only played two matches in, in Madrid none in Rome um, but she does have goals and yeah she wants to sort of you know and she talked about wanting to be top 10 this year and things like that so you know she has set up for herself and she's a obviously a ferocious competitor in her own ways and very driven, which is why she's the champion she is. Um, I want to talk about her being in this room. Uh, so we're, in, we're, as we said, we're recording this uh, podcast in the main interview room of the French Open. This was, uh, this is a new center here that's been built, uh, first opened in 2020, I guess, uh, during the, you know, the fall tournament, which Naomi didn't play because she had just won the French U.S. Open and didn't want me to turn around to Clay, um, on short prep for Clay. And then, uh, in 2021, obviously, people know what happened there. She put out her statement; she wasn't going to do press, and so she never she never been in this room before today. Uh, I was thinking that she'd never been in here, yeah. and she was kind of looking around a little bit. Uh, her first time in here, and um, what do you think about just what she was saying in terms of returning here and the sort of uh, looking back and what happened a year ago and how, what's changed or not since then? Yeah, um, well, I guess the first thing is that she she was kind of honest about. The fact that she was worried about coming back to France in in general, she was worried about how people would receive her after after mm-hmm. you know obviously last year when she said she wouldn't she wouldn't conduct press conferences and mm-hmm. and the backlash that kind of happened from parts of the public and also from the tennis governing bodies yep. who were, were, were extremely united then. <laughs> I <should add. laughs> Uh, should make a chat call about that. Can <laughs> issue statement against Naomi Osaka. Ridiculous sport. Ridiculous sport. Um, yeah, but but I thought you know, and she also said she was you know worried about the press conference because yeah. she knew people would ask her about it. But I, I guess from from my perspective, I think it it went well. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, she was as as honest as as. She, when she does come to press, she is to the point where she had to like stop herself from giving away her her entire tactics, you know, in the against Japanese Nisimova, portion against yeah. Nisimova, because she that's just you know, she she doesn't have a, a filter in a good way, you know. She, yeah. she says what she what's on her mind, which is great. It makes her remarkable to cover, yeah. honestly, and to yeah. write. I'm work, obviously people know I'm working on a book about her, but like her, she's she's someone who actually in her own way is a. Inc- 
extremely reliable narrator um, in a way that not most of these athletes are. Very, very few. Just, yeah, for better or worse, she'll give you this unfiltered answer of what she's feeling. Yeah. She'll listen to the question and feel the question and answer it, which makes it you know tougher because yeah. she does feel and doesn't hide behind cliches or, or canned answers or, or lies. And, and I'd say like half truths. One, one of you know when when this happened last year, what what I was kind of you know concerned about, what I thought was over, was that I thought you know eventually she would come back into the press, but she'd be you know we've seen it with some players who aren't nearly as forthcoming in the beginning, but. When there's a bad experience, they kind of shut down and don't want to give anything at all. Think yeah. of kind of Sloan when she had issues with press. And, She's had moments and, for and, sure. And eating, you know, pizza in front of reporters and, you know, <laughs> yes, <laughs> reference for, for, for the old tennis fan. Um, and but but and it took her a while until until she got older and, and and then she opened up again and you know she's great now. But yeah, that, that's tough and uh, yeah, I'm just I'm quite glad that. This, this, she's, she's different, as she said. You know, she, I, I asked her about actually how different she is just compared to a year ago, and, and she kind of just thought back to when she was 16. Years well, you ago. asked her if she was enjoying the press conference, first, thought, yeah. and that's what she actually yeah, that's answered. What she answered. Yeah, yeah. But um, and she, she thought back to when she was 16 years old, and she just cracked jokes. You can, you were there, right? So I know. was not there. This was in Stanford. She was specific. I was there early on, so certainly I know early yeah. on Osaka, and obviously yeah, I'm doing same, this yeah. biography type book of her and. So I'm very aware of her early work at this point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she she would make like reference to memes all the time and maybe these like deep sort of inside jokes and was way more acerbic, honestly, and sort of like making fun of her sister a lot was sort of one of the early themes, which yeah. she doesn't do anymore, obviously. Um, and just she's, she's more sort of careful in that way, but still like still comes across as, as you know, you're, it's maybe a little bit more filtered, but it's still like incredibly authentic yeah, for her. Yeah, quite an open book. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, and so I think it was good. It was, yeah. I think, uh, she, I hope, yeah. I think overall she did, she did well with it. Yeah. And she remains a fascinating player, even if, again, she's not maybe even a favorite to win her first round match. Yeah. Uh, this other section of this uh, soccer section is uh, Belinda Bencic, the 14th seed, is in here, opens against uh, qualifier, or lucky loser, rather, Reka Luka Yanni, and then could get Bianca Andrescu, who's one of the other notable unseated uh, in this section here. Andrescu Bencic should be a great second round. Bencic does not love the French Open, not a very comfortable clay quarter. But she did uh, win Charleston this year, so she's not you know horrible on the stuff uh, totally. Um, but uh, that's a fun one. Yeah, I'm I'm really interested to see Andrescu. She's you know obviously she's come back after her own you know six month she, mental health break. She's a real dark horse Absolutely. to like make the final. Absolutely. I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah. And and, and if I, dark I don't horse know, to be clear, I'm not picking her, but dark horse. And and if it doesn't happen here, I think she's she's shown enough recently that you know, in my opinion, honestly, you know, I think Sviontek. Um, Andrescu and Osaka should be the best players in the world. Honestly. I agree. And in in a, in a perfect world, you know, they would be playing each other deep in slams. Um, and they could all make the U.S. Open semifinals. Yeah. Let's say. Yeah, and and the good news, I mean, even better news for Andrescu is that it's only been a few tournaments, but physically she looks good. You know, yeah. she's gone through them, and you know, I don't know. It, it, things seem to be trending really well, and I'm I'm really interested and to see. She was a heckin' delight to talk to, and especially in. Uh, 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 Madrid. When I was talking to her more there, um, you know, did a, yeah, she's just great, yeah, and, and just really open and frank, and just happy to be here, and just in a good place, and just again shows the benefit of taking a break from the sport. Like I kind of think everybody should do it yeah. at some point. And she and Naomi are, are very obviously very different personalities, but in her own kind of kind of extroverted way. Like she's also this open. I don't know. She yeah. She gives 
information, you know, free, freely. And 100%. It's great. No, she was, she was really, really good. Um, very compelling person to talk to, for sure, yeah. just to watch. Like, she just has this, like, really positive. We talked about this before, but she, like, has this way of making herself, like, the protagonist or yeah. main character of every match she plays. And I find it, again, really compelling and, yeah. and great. Um, and not many players have that gift. So it's like a Serena kind of gift. Uh, by the way, it's been a year since Serena played. Quick shout, out, quick pour one out for Serena. Yeah. Well, and we've 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 discussed Serena a bit because the last time we were here was in 2019, <laughs> and then you, you you sent me the 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 tweet of Yaseline Bonaventure. <laughs> yes, my throwback Thursday message. She was resharing the photo. Of Bonaventure actually coming up in the draw here. Um, uh, rather, she, oh, she plays Andrescu first. Yeah. So there we go. That's yeah. our segue. But, but I, I didn't. I should. Say, I yeah. should say. Just she saw Serena at was it a Disney? friend of hers. A friend, a of, friend hers of hers okay. saw Serena at Disneyland Paris uh, days before the French, couple days before the French Open, in a wheelchair. Yeah. Thought this was odd. Said to, to Italian Bonaventure, and Bonaventure put it out in the, in the Twitter sphere, and, and and then you remember when we asked Serena, and she was just like cracking up. In, oh in no, the, well, no. Uh, the the, it, the audio doesn't perfectly, and you deleted your tweet of it. I was actually looking for it, but you didn't delete your old tweets, which smart. Um, Thank you. Largely, the the Beck Radvanska yeah. tweet is still the best tweet of all time. Um, it's gone, and the the world is worse off for it. So net negative, I think, all in all. But I understand being savvy doing that. <laughs> uh, you asked Serena about it, and she looked at me and said, "Yeah, the one that Ben retweeted or yeah. whatever." And I I said I was on social a lot. And, and she and, and, and she cracked were, up yeah. and she she was like cackling and it was a nice time nice yeah. time with Serena and then and then later that tournament obviously then she evicted Dominic Team Serena was 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 a lot of fun to have around largely and often I mean like she was just a, a huge character ne- never well yeah never a dull moment never a dull moment never, in the Serena never, land never, absolutely never. not never a dull moment so it's been a year since she last played a match or last completed a match she played Wimbledon uh, six games at Wimbledon. Um, but yeah, I was seeing her when they were showing the 2021 highlights of the tournament during the draw, and they showed Serena. I was like, "Oh wow, Serena!" Yeah, wow. So we don't know what's happening with her. We'll leave it there. Uh, I think Jabir is my pick to make the semis here, if all goes to plan. Um, I think she's holding up well physically after all these matches would be sort of my concern. Uh, but I could make a case for Andrescu, but it would yeah. it would be you know what else would be fun? It would be the Andrescu uh, third round match potentially against Leila Fernandez in all Canada battle. That'd be fun. I would like that. Yeah. I would like to see it. I, I'll, I'll go for Andrescu. Okay. Just to keep it. Keep, keep it spicy. It. There we go. And, and I think a, a possible match between Jabir and Andrescu would be just... That would be fantastic. Uh, just, my, my drop shot is better than yours. <laughs> drop shot this. Exactly. All right. The last quarter of the draw, uh, we're going to start with the top part. And that Contivate has had not a great year since making the final in Doha, losing that final to Iga Shviantek. Not had a good few months uh, results-wise. Um, that's a pretty great section of the draw, actually, to work with here. Opening against Isla Tomjanovic. Uh, then I saw them play in Miami once. I remember it was a nice match. Uh, then Asha Sharma or Barbara Gracheva. Uh, then her seed she could get potentially is Elisa Mertens, who's back up during injury uh, layoff from the tour for missing most of the clay season. Uh, Garbini Mukarutsa is in here. Uh, Coco Goff. My pick for this section is Coco Goff. I agree. I think this this draw, actually... I was looking at it and making my predictions. Someone asked me to make my predicted semifinalists or whatever. Spoiler, my predicted semifinalist is Coco Goff. And I feel like always hesitant with her, with, you know, burden here with her pressure or whatever. But, like, she's a great player. And I feel like just for whatever reason, things have not, like, clicked with her draw-wise all the time. She ran to Krejcikova here last year, and she was on a really good match. She made quarters here last year as a 17-year-old. Now she's 18. Like, the pieces are there. 
like I don't think there's anything like you know the forehand can get wonky or you know break down sometimes, but like. I, I think she's, you know, on a steady, slow but steady incline still. And I think that this is a, a chance where I think things are coming together her, for her because, like, Muguruza has been rough. Um, Muguruza has had a really rough year. That's an and then opens against Kaya Kanepi, um, which is rough if you're not doing great. Yeah. I will say, golf's first run against Rebecca Marina. Rebecca Marina is playing really well in qualities. I watched a, a bit of a, two of her matches uh, in qualities, and she won 2 0 today against uh, Sion Mendez, um, yeah. who's the Australian. And she looks sharp, and she's a big server. Uh, she's, I think, golf will beat her, but that's like not an easy qualifier to draw. And just shout yeah. out to Rebecca Marina for being in her first French Open main draw since 2011 with her uh, career and her journey. Shout out to her. But yeah, I like golf here. And then this bottom section, the, the Barbara Krejcikova section, Krejcikova is in her first tournament since uh, Dubai. Yeah, since since, uh, since losing yeah. to Ospenko in Dubai, uh, she has not played. Uh, she had she was in Indian Wells uh, had was it Doha maybe Doha I'm not yeah since yeah. the Middle East yeah uh, since February she was uh, in Indian Wells practicing uh, had her elbow there didn't go into too many details but basically said she had elbow issues and took several months off tour and was hoping to come back sooner but the you know it was rough and she comes back rested after playing an insane number of matches last year I mean like the sort of visit the cumulative toll yeah. sure it was this injury yeah. uh, more than anything acute and uh, she comes back here. Uh, looking happy to be here, you know she's a defending champion, but I don't think she's putting too much pressure on herself at all to live up to that. It's not going to be like defending champion. Well, that will be the headline because some news works, but like won't be like defending champion shock. You know, crashes out even if she loses. You know, well she won't. Her draw is actually really. She's a good draw. Yeah. Her opening against Diane Perry. I don't think she can lose that match. Then Harmony Tan uh, or Osorio. Osorio. Tricky. Tricky potentially for sure. Uh, Serana Kirstea in the third round potentially. Uh, Sloane Stevens having a rough stretch of things also is in this section. Um, the, the I like this. I like this draw for Krejcikova if she gets a few matches. I mean, Kirstea, if she's sharp, could beat her. Um, and she's done well in the past, uh, Krejcikova. And it's Azarenka, who's another Krejcikova face. Jill Teichman's doing well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Teichman maybe is actually a good bet to beat the uh, make the uh, quarters here, potentially. Uh, I, I would pick Teichman over Azarenka at this point on clay. Well, uh, Azarenka's done, done, well. done well. She played well in, in, even if the, against um, Shurante, even if the scoreline doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, was a re- that was one of those, like, what, the first set took, like, forever. Yeah, over an hour. It was, like, 50-something minutes, and they'd only completed uh, six games. Yeah. It was one of the slowest first sets I've ever seen. Um, yeah, but uh, in the section with Krejcikova and, and Goff and such, I like Goff. I like Shabur beating Goff in these semis, I think, overall. But, like, there's, you know... The rest of the straw is classic WT, I think, interesting in lots of different scenarios and fun head-to-heads and who's hot, who's not. Like, everything's there, but big picture, I think it's still Iga's show. I agree. All right, so let's go to the men. We're running a little bit long here, but the men, I think, is mostly about the top half here. Um, and I don't think we need to get too granular with the men because I think a lot of them you can really paint through to pretty long uh, projections. So Novak Djokovic, for example. I don't see him having any trouble here. I was interesting. So he opens against Yoshi Nishioka. It's a sort of funny, you know, silly moment in press where he's asked, like, your draw is, you know, tough. And he's like, yeah, it's tough because I don't usually practice against lefties. <laughs> and he's talking about Nishioka just yeah. being so cute. And it's like, ah, let's just, I'm just talking about Nishioka, you guys. <laughs> and so it's just sort of like this pride of himself for dodging that question completely. But she doesn't usually do. Usually answers questions very lengthily. Um, Djokovic against opening with Nishioka could play Alex Molchan. Sorry. Just, just one more thing about Djokovic. I did appreciate yeah. him, him just being like, well, ev- when he, it was actually the moderator who asked him about Nadal, he was like, everyone looks at draws. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> I, did, I did appreciate that. Yeah. I'm, sh- yeah, I'm sure there are some players who don't, but, you know, by yeah. and large. Is it Nicola? 
I, I'm, I'm not sure. Interesting. Maybe we'll think about it. Interesting. Anyway, that's sort of more into the talk than anyone needs. Uh, uh, Djokovic yeah, opens against Nishioka. I think it's Alex Molchan, potentially in the second round. Molchan is in a final this week as well. Uh, and he is the new uh, charge, the new player of uh, Djokovic's former coach, uh, the fellow Slovak to Molchan, uh, Marian Vida. Uh, and that's an interesting you know, dynamic in that match. And that's yeah. an interesting, you know, breakup, you know, that was surprising on paper. And obviously Djokovic won Rome, so he's doing okay and stuff. But it was surprising to see them split after a long time. And, and also more curious than with, you know, that some, some of, some, when, when Ryder, um, joined with Mojan, he gave an interview um, that was um, put, translated by Sasha Osmo, and it was you know he, he didn't he wasn't entirely sure of why Djokovic split with him, which was no. in, which was interesting. Yeah, you, you it was of, interesting for such a long relationship yeah. to, to end that abruptly. And we've seen that before with coaches, you know, like I think of like you know David Witt with Venus, who was with her for a long time, and got like very little explanation for when she dropped him eventually. Yeah. Um, and he's doing great with Pagula, by the way. Uh, so he's doing fine. And Vida's um, already doing great with Molchan making this final. Yeah. Um, Molchan, I had forgotten, was the one who made this uh, Belgrade final uh, the year that Djokovic won it, I think, at some point. I don't know if Djokovic... Anyway, he made a Belgrade final at some point. Uh, he's had some uh, flashes results as a good junior. David Waldstein of the uh, uh, New York Times wrote a profile of him last year during the U.S. Open, which is coming handy because people don't know much about Alex Molchan. But there is Molchan info out there if you want it. Uh, uh, Djokovic could play Brooksby, Jensen Brooksby, uh, a favorite of uh, Justin Paolini in the uh, second, in third round rather. Uh, they played a great uh, fourth round match at the US Open last year, really epic second set, especially of that match after Brooksby blitzed him in the first set. Um, I don't think Brooksby is ready to, to be that as competitive on clay. No. Um, he's still an uncomfortable player. I'm not sure he gets there. I mean, he, well, he opens against uh, Pablo Cuevas, who has not been great lately. And they could play Bedene or O'Connell. But anyway, the point is Djokovic is rolling through here. I don't think Djokovic is going to have much problem in the fourth round either, potentially against uh, Diego Schwartzman or Grigor Dimitrov. I do think that both uh, Dimitrov and Schwartzman can sleepwalk to the fourth round. I and think that's a very good draw for both. Sorry, third round. Yeah. Uh, I don't think those seated, unseated are really that notable. And, and they're both in pretty good form on, yeah. on clay. So, yeah. I agree. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't think that Djokovic has trouble against Dimitrov or, yeah. or Schwartzman. Really, um, and then we get to the the next mat group of the thing, which is as was determined early in the draw. It's an interesting draw where like the three it was a three horse race this 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 men's field really, uh, and it was number one seed and then five and six, and so it was unclear. You know, it was not like who's going to be on what half. Like, but they could all be on the same half, and they could all potentially even some of them share quarters. And it did work out that way. Rafael Nadal lands in Djokovic's quarter as the number five seed. Djokovic, uh, sorry, Nadal. With his foot issue uh, being off and on, uh, you know, hot and cold, or just having good days, bad days with it, it's not totally predictable how he'll be. But he's practicing fine. It looks like, as far as we can yeah, tell, he's had like he's, two two practices a day yeah. since he's been here. Yeah, he's, he seems like he's he's at least at this point managing it well. He opens against Jordan Thompson. He gets Stan Wawrinka in the second round. A match that's probably more interesting on paper, honestly, than it is in in reality. With Wawrinka's, you know, been having a slow comeback to his year. Uh, did get a win, a couple wins in in Rome. Uh, who did he beat in the second round? Somebody decent. He um, beat Opelka, Opelka in the first round. Opelka first round. Then he beat somebody who's actually like a was a more tougher match. I want to say it was like Lazo Jere or something in yeah, the second yeah, round. Yeah, yeah and, and and he uh, yeah, so he's you know trending up, but I, I don't think he's ready for an Nadal challenge at, at the French Open just yet. Um, and then we get uh, and then he could play uh, uh, potentially tougher uh, uh, Bob Vandeslap in the <laughs> in the third round. Uh, NCR icon. Or Fabio Fanini, uh, who's hot and cold, but would certainly get up for an adult oh, match at a slam. Yeah. That's not who you want to face on this kind of stage. 
Uh, and then potentially in the fourth round, there's the seeds in this other fourth round are uh, Felix Ojeali Asim and Riley Opelka with uh, Aslan Karatsev is also in here. He's not had a great uh, uh, great year. No. Again, one of the, another, another one of the Russians who's really not had a great year. Um, I, I think uh, Felix should cruise to the fourth round. He's, he's had a kind of quietly good good clay court season as well. He's been fine, yeah. Yeah, well, a couple quarters, I think he... Yeah. But yeah, he's, he's, I mean, I think it's... After having a bad stretch. Yeah, yeah, he's, he, his clay court season has been better than I thought. Uh, than I expected. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. Because he went on a, a, quite a bad losing streak, including a loss, I think, to Molchan actually. Yeah, uh, and after he finally won won his title. I know. <laughs> now, let some, some funny, funny how that works. Right? Exactly. So I think we're gonna get uh, Bob Vandeslap if he's playing well. I think can can push Rafa. Um, he's pushed. He's played well at big matches against Slans, frequently against Medvedev a few times. Um, I think he can do okay. He's okay on clay. Uh, he's being Casper Rude, you know, on clay and stuff. But. Uh, I I think we're gonna get Nadal Djokovic here, and I, I think so. Too. I you know it'll depend on how they're doing. I think Nadal will you know that was the match of the year last year when they played in the semis here. Uh, they both are coming in relatively undercooked this time, although you know Djokovic turning up, Nadal turning down. Uh, Nadal started the year great. Djokovic obviously won Rome. Um, I don't know how to forecast. I, I would pick Djokovic with my head for sure based on health and. Recent form, but picking against it all at the French Open is not something I do yeah. enthusiastically. I think it, yeah, I think for Nadal it just depends on how quickly he can find, you know, obviously it depends on the foot and if it just, you know, he doesn't have another one of those bad days where it's just, it's too painful to, to yeah. properly play. But also, you know, given that he, as you said, he started the year 20 0, I think, and then the, um, the fractured rib just halted that, um, momentum. Yeah. So, how quickly he can find his top level and, you know, perform well in the big moments and be Rafa Nadal because it's it's just a bit early the quarterfinal against Djokovic, but yeah, he's he's thirteen time Grand Slam champion if he's there. Yeah, and his first there. his first loss to Djokovic here was in a quarterfinal actually back in twenty fifteen, uh, which was a lopsided loss for him yeah. in a down year for him. Uh, so really, that's yeah. that's the big one to circle. So they got they got put in this in this ha- uh, quarter together. And then the other third contender in this three horse race uh, was Carlos Alcaraz, uh, who was the Madrid champion, the Miami champion, the Mar- Barcelona champion, the Rio champion, coming out of the blocks real hot this year. Uh, didn't do pre tournament press. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's a, that's a weird one. Um, but Zverev did. Uh, Zverev is in this quarter as well. Uh, Zverev always has pre tournament press. Um, and uh, he is the number three seed. Um, yeah, so but I think but basically, so Alcaraz is a draw loser, and they say in this half, Zverev is the biggest draw loser, big picture, because if he was in the bottom half, he'd be a real threat to make the final potentially. But no one's really talking about him here. He's in a, a section with uh, and Sebastian Offner, who beat him once at Wimbledon, actually. If, no, yeah. um, and then Lajevich and Baez. Baez has been playing pretty well. Yeah. Um, uh, Clay Revelation, the Estoril champion. Yeah. Uh, then could get Davidovich Vokino. I think he nearly beat him here, maybe. Am I making that up? Davidovich Vokino is a good player anyway. He won, made the Monte Carlo final. Yeah. Um, uh, good player. And then Taylor Fritz, who beat him last year at Indian Wells. Um, so some tough draws for sure for, for Zara potentially to get to the quarter, where I think he's a deep underdog, as is almost everyone else in the draw, except for the aforementioned Nadal and Djokovic. Uh, to Carlos Alcaraz, who has no Grand Slam pedigree or very little Grand Slam pedigree to speak of, made the quarterfinals of the U.S. Open last year, uh, then really just wore out after playing a four, uh, five-setter that people forget about against uh, uh, Peter Goyovchik in the fourth round, yeah. um, and then was out of gas and retired in that quarterfinal against uh, Felix Ojeda. 
Felix Oje Aliassim there. Uh, and then, um, yeah, but Alcaraz's draw is pretty good. Open against uh, Juan Ignacio Landero. Could play Sebastian Corda in the third round. Corda is the one player who beat him on clay this year. Uh, beat him in Monte Carlo in their first match there. Um, so doesn't love that potentially, but Nori and, and, and Hachinoff, I don't see his real threats how, to him. How dare you? Leon finalist Cameron Nori. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. honestly, it's not the craziest thing because I mean, no. Nori lost to him in uh, in Indian Wells, right? Yeah. I think. I think they played a couple of times. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and Nori's been just, you know, solid. He, he's still top 15 in the race. I think he. I, I think the next, he needs to make a fourth round. He's, he's never. He never made he, a slam fourth round. He needs to make, I mean, he needs to make the fourth round. Yeah. He's never made one. Don't hold me to that. Okay. <laughs> okay. But he has not He's not made a quarterfinal, I can say confidently. At yeah. a slam. I don't think he's made a fourth round. You're probably right. Because he played, round did he play Federer last year at Wimbledon? Three? Round, third round. Yeah, he, he's had some really tough draws. He's played Nadal a couple. Yeah, before. tough draws for sure. But yeah, he's, he's definitely developed into a very solid top 15, top 20. And yeah, coming in, certainly challenging for top 10 and some big points at French Open Wimbledon would do a lot. <laughs> Never mind. No points at Wimbledon. Forget about that part. But, uh, but yeah, he, yeah, he hasn't. He's made third round of all four times. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. I think Alcaraz is a huge favorite here. He uh, destroyed Zverev in that, uh, that Madrid final. Zverev obviously, uh, you know, tired from the previous night's late semifinal scheduling in Madrid is bonkers. Um, but uh, I think Alcaraz is here. And then Alcaraz, I don't think the best of five is going to be an issue for Alcaraz, really, because he's that much better than everybody, and he's physically good. I just don't think it's big an issue. Yeah, I mean, he, he shows that he can... He, he went to a fifth-set breaker against Berrettini in yeah, Australia yeah, this yeah. year. Yeah. He can do it. It's just interesting to see how he handles another level of pressure and expectations yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Just, you know. Also, no, just noting... Dominic Team being in that, that yeah, section. Dominic Team. Yeah. So waiting for his waiting for his first, first win of the year. He also he lost this past week in Geneva to Marco Cecchinato, who also did not win a main draw match all year. And then Team lost that one. That was a, a semifinal here, twenty eighteen. Yeah, team yeah. Cecchinato and yeah. teams and team, had teams had a rough go, and it's very down on himself, honestly. Yeah, yeah. and he's you know the, the obvious the, the big biggest issue is his forehand and and how that's you know since since his wrist injury. And also, and, but also, like he's he's had stretches of playing well, but really struggling in the big moments, whether it's a tie break or game break points, or so. Yeah. And he's he's visibly very frustrated, yeah. and um, yeah, he had some had some chances like, like in Finini and in Rome, like he had some good moments and played some good shots and a couple of really nice backhands and stuff. But it's just it's just yeah. tough. So, I so, will say he got a good first round draw. Yeah, he opens against Hugo Delian, who is a kind of classic clay court grinder in a lot of ways from Bolivia. Um, that's a match the team should feel comfortable with. Yeah. I, I, you know, and which is good and bad. Like he knows he can win that match. Yeah. And, and but it's just tough when you're like when you're a dominant team and you expect to play a dominant team and you just can't. Yeah. That's you know, it's that's it's rough. Yeah. But good, yeah, good flagging him for sure. He's definitely an interesting person to to mention here. Taylor Fritz also I should mention has not played. Uh, he's seated here. Uh, is in this Zverev section, but he has not played uh, since Monte Carlo. He's had some injury issues, so. Uh, not someone who, you know, even though he went Indy Wells, is not someone really necessarily to put a lot of faith in uh, for this tournament. But he's in a good section of the draw. And so maybe even Isner makes it out um, to that fourth round. Uh, but he hasn't been playing great either. So that's a kind of, that's a, that's a quarter you want to be in if you're like a Taro Daniel or a Gregoire Barrera or a Bernabe Zapata Marias. <laughs> Bottom half of the draw. Thank you. Bottom half of the draw. Let's start from the top again. Casper Ruud is the eighth seed. Uh, you know what he looks like, unlike my co-host, probably. 
who doesn't know what... We did the whole thing with Courtney Hood. We couldn't pick Casper Root out of a lineup last year. Uh, it was cute. Casper uh, Root opened against Joe Wilfred Sanka, who's in yeah. his last tournament here. And who, who said, I think he said in French, to bring the Kleenex. And of course. End, I mean, end of an era. I will say, that's like a that's like a lovely... Even though he doesn't... Maybe nice for someone he like maybe knows better to play last. But that's like... That's going to be a clean kill. Yeah. Casper Root's like going with that match. And then he'll, he'll like applaud Joe and stay if there's a ceremony. Exactly. And, you know. He's a classy guy. He's, yeah, a, he's, yeah. a, he's a good executioner. <laughs> the way that uh, Delpo always used to have to do that to people. Delpo did to Mont Sappin yeah, yeah. and Eddie Roddick. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, Sanga's uh, uh, been a, a big star in French tennis. He's been the guy of the of the you know four Musketeers, the, uh, Simon, Gasquet, Monfils, and Sanga. Song has been actually by pretty good distance the most popular in France, yeah. and, and 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 I'd say not just in in France. You know, you see, I mean, just in general at tennis tournaments, he's one of those players that people would flock to. He's, yeah. I don't know, just among, I think Monfils has that too. Like Monfils, yeah, but course, I think yeah. Songa, I've noticed here is like the guy here, yeah. and like the French, yeah, he's, he's the guy here, yeah. And him, he's you know hasn't been a super honestly super relevant player yeah. for the last few years, uh, uh, yeah. But. So I just say like, and I think probably also in in the UK. Just because of you know his he's performed well at Wimbledon, mm-hmm. played against Murray, and he's beat Federer there. Beat Federer, and so he's one of those those players that if people don't mention the big big three, someone people will be. Oh, what's, who's your favorite player? Oh, Songa. Have you ever seen that W one A sketch about Songa? You know W one A. It's no. a BBC sort of sketch show. Anyway, there's a, there's a Songa sketch. It's funny. People can go look that up. It's a very British show. Uh, this section is good for Casper Ruud, I think. I don't really see any threats to him here. Rusevori, a rare battle of name. People whose names start with R-U-U if they play in the <laughs> second round. Uh, a Nordic battle there. Yes. Um, Ugo Umber has not had a great year. Uh, he's, he's playing Rusevori first. Uh, so Umber could beat Rusevori, though, for sure. Uh, Senego has a seed in here. And then the rest of the seeds, Urkach and uh, Francis Tiafo. Uh, Tiafo opens against Benjamin Bonzi, who's yeah. another NCR hero who has had a good year. Uh, really good year last year. Brother. Really raised a lot in the rankings by winning some challengers. David Goffin is also in here. He's, he's been surging. Yep. Actually, I think I like Goffin to make the yep. uh, the f- uh, fourth round here. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Yep. Goffin opens against uh, Yuri Laheka and uh, Lachka, and uh, then could get uh, yeah Tiapa or Bonzi and then uh, Hubert Hercatch. Yeah, I like uh, I like Goffin here. He had match points against uh, Nadal in, in Madrid and is just playing well generally. Yep. So also one, just wanted to note um, Jason Zeng, Zeng who's who, yeah, Seng. Seng, who, who reached the, um, who's qualified and great you know, junior, great junior. Good to see him finally get. He was having yeah, a slow transition. Exactly, struggled a bit. Yeah. You know, tr- you know, as, as players do. And, and, and especially, I would say, a lot of the, especially a lot of the Asian juniors have a hard time making that transition. There's been a lot of Asian juniors who won junior slams who have not really made any splash on the tour level. You know, from your, I can name several of them, but you know, uh, Liang or. Uh, Lurchie Wakarn, there's a bunch. Yeah. Um, and so it's been, a, you know, uh, Ducky Lee, honestly, is probably in that category, unfortunately. Like, there's, you know, it, it's tough to be, to, uh, to get, your, your guy, uh, uh, Shintaro. Shintaro, yeah. Mochizuki, right? Mochizuki, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough. And just like the sort of different, you know, there's, there's, it's a different conversation I don't want to get into right now about why that, why that's the case, but it is a pattern. And so hopefully Sang, who's uh, been a more talkable guy for a long time, I don't know if he still is, um, can, can make something of that. Um, yeah, I like I like Offen here to go against Rude. I like probably Rude to win that one. So it puts Rude through the quarters. But then I think the guy who's the biggest draw winner in this whole draw is Stefanos Tsitsipas, um, who, who yeah. is the number four seed, opens yeah. against Musetti. Not, a, not, a, not the easiest opener, um, but I think he wins that comfortably and then gets uh, that's a sort of fun one-handed backhand match. For those of you who are into that kind of thing, if you like 
one-handers and hair. I think it's Lucas Pui or Zdenek Kolar. It's a oh, Czech qualifier. Sorry. Who? I just said overrated. One-handed one, one, one one back one Yeah, we, yeah I, I don't disagree. Evans is the seed in here, and then he could play uh, Denis Shapovalov, who's in France for the first time in a long time. Uh, uh, Denis plays against uh, Hol- Holgeruna uh, yeah. in the first round, who's in a final this week again, right? Or no, no, he lost. He lost in the semifinal to Cameron Nori. Right, there you go. Of course, who doesn't lose to Nori these days? Um, uh, that's a fun first round uh, shuffle off against Runa. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, so I but I just really like this draw for, for Tsitsipas. I think I think he actually is a huge favorite to make the final Yeah. in a lot of ways. And, and, and you know, the, the, this, he's had a really good clay season, make, you know, winning Monte Carlo and making the final of Rome and semifinal of Madrid. I don't some, even think he's playing as yeah, best. He, oh, he's not playing yeah. that great. He hasn't played as best tennis. I watched his matches and I'm like, you were better than this. Yeah. And he's still doing okay results-wise. But, but I guess the, but the good thing is that he's he's shown, I don't know, that there's a bit more maturity. There's a bit more, you know, composure. A bit more, I don't, you know, he's, he's kind of handled the moments well. His comeback against Diego Schwartzman and Monte Carlo was like, dang. Yeah, yeah. That was really great. Yeah. And not a match he would win often. And, you know, he got coaching sort of warnings or soft warnings at least. And just a lot of things that would normally go wrong for him were going wrong. But he was one of the all-time, like, stopping an implosion and, and turning around and winning. And yeah. that was a really wild match. One of the better matches of the year. More entertaining matches for sure on the men's tour. Yeah. So, so he's got the winning, the confidence from winning. And if, if his game follows and he's, he finds himself into a rhythm, then yeah. It's great for him. To- Bad loss to Zverev in uh, Madrid, but otherwise it's been a good good swing for him. Yeah. Um, and yeah, well, and he got Madrid's bagels in the first set of that Rome final, but also came back okay yeah. from that. Uh, Madrid's weird anyway. So. Madrid is weird, yeah, but he's done well there before. Uh, so that's this half. I think Stefan Sitspas is making the final. Uh, but this other bottom quarter, last quarter, we'll start with Andre Rublev. He's not been doing great. Um, this is not like a th- – actually, the other person I think is a draw winner is uh, Yannick Sinner, uh, big draw winner, who is the seed in the Rublev eighth of the draw here. Center opens against Fratangelo and then plays Oscar Atta or, or Roberto Carballas Baina. Uh, and then Basil Shvili is his seed. I love this draw for Yannick Center. I think he can beat Andre Rublev in a battle of gingers. Uh, hopefully it's indoors for their sake. Um, <laughs> and I, yeah, I think this is like, he's another person I kind of put in the same category as Goff, who like is young. Uh, everyone thinks they have the talent, but just things haven't quite broken their way, maybe hit a little bit of a ceiling at certain points in some draws lately. And I think the ceiling is here to be broken because Rublev's not playing great. Not that, not that Rublev can't beat Sinner if he gets to that point in the tournament, but like I think this is a huge chance yeah. for Sinner. And well, then Dino Medvedev, I'll skip ahead, yeah. is the, is the uh, main seed in this section. Well, I'd, I'd just say that it's, it, even though he, he has been up and down, it's still a huge opportunity for Rublev as well. You know? no, yeah, yeah. That's a good draw. It's an open draw. Yeah, to, to, to make a, a slam semifinal, possibly a final. Like, first yeah. semi for him, yeah. yeah. First semi for him or for for center. Yeah, so. Uh, yeah, completely. And then, so then the other last part of the section. Just, go sorry, ahead. just wanted to note Joe Simon, who's, who's retiring. As yeah, well. his last year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so yeah, he's he's, he's going to play. Although he might not be making him any more main draws. Yeah. Like, this he's, could be one of his last yeah. slam main draws. He's outside the top 100. I don't think he'll get a Wimbledon wild yeah. card. And he's losing quite. He might get a Wimbledon wild card. I mean, he's been top 10, but he never did anything at Wimbledon to speak of. Not a good slam player compared to his, no, yeah, yeah. compared to his other results. Yeah, like Simon's was fine. The French Cameron Nori, maybe you could say. <laughs> Although Nori still has a lot of time. Uh, yeah, Simon. Uh, I, mean, I could see the French like, giving him the wild card into the U.S. Open because they have a wild card to, to work with, and that's kind of their kind of move. Uh, yeah, but yeah, good to note him as well. He had a press conference today as well. 
Um, he'll, he'll be around maybe a little bit more. But like I said, yeah, the rankings out there. Another tough, clean kill draw for him opening against Pablo Carina Busta. Not a match I can see him really challenging yeah. at this stage in his career. So Carina Busta is in this section as the 16 seed. Not playing great. Not playing great. No, but he made the final with Barcelona. Uh, Daniel Medvedev is in here. Daniel Medvedev actually, I think, got a pretty great draw um, given that he's been out since Miami. Played Geneva, lost first round to uh, Richard Gasquet. Uh, Gasquet has a great record against... Uh, uh, sorry, Medvedev has a terrible record against French guys, is what I meant to say. <laughs> uh, I didn't spot Gasquet in the show. He must be in here somewhere. I just, we just skipped over him at some point. Maybe it must be top half. Um, anyway, uh, uh, Medvedev is coming back, on, I think, really relaxed, low stakes. He's in an interesting spot in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Um, he is very, he hates clay openly, <laughs> but he's not okay on it. He made quarters here last year, lost to Tsitsipas. Um, which doesn't lose to the plus very often, but he was still chill with it. Workable draw, you know, real clay quarter in Facundo Bagnus, uh, which evokes the great Tim Smichek tweet where he said he had a terrible record in Savannah against guys named Facundo after losing in back-to-back years to, <laughs> to uh, Facundo Bagnus. And who was the other Facundo? Oh, God. Um, hmm, that's going to bug me. The other Facundo, someone out there knows the other Facundo is screaming it right now. So shout out to them. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, 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 Jerry is actually a tough second round for for Medvedev potentially. I could see yeah. lots of Jerry beating him. Yeah, and 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 and, 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 and yeah. for sure in the uh, in the third round. So not an easy draw. Super not a super easy draw. Um, um, okay. but, so, so but what, he's a better what, player than those people. So, so Medvedev well. had his. Um, oh, okay. On the body serve suddenly, <laughs> pronouncing it that way. <laughs> but he, he had a he had a press conference here as well, and yeah. I'm just curious, you know, over the past like few weeks and months, you know, any time, especially the British press, I'm rolling my eyes right now. Yep. Um, like any time, Wimbledon has been, you know, referenced, and the ban has always been. Daniel Medvedev is banned from, you know, is, won't be able to play at Wimbledon. Although, the, you know, he's one of many, but he's been yeah. the central figure. So I'm curious. He's what, been the poster boy of the band, you're exactly, right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so I'm curious as what you made of, you know, he, he'd obviously had his, he had had hernia surgery and had been out while a lot of this was going on. So what, what do you make of him, kind of his comments on, on talk, talking about it? Yeah, he he engaged with it more than most of them do, more more than most of the Russians do for sure, and. Um, he, this obviously happened before the, the points dropping was announced. So both he and Djokovic were declined. So we know it's coming soon. So we'll wait and see what that's going to be. Um, but he was interested. You know, he talked about, you know, slowing to play grass. He's going to play three grass tournaments. Um, <laughs> we said at the beginning, he's actually set up the, the wild thing about the whole Wimbledon sort of, you know, uh, flow chart of things that makes it very likely that Medvedev is going to get back to number one. So that's good for Russian propaganda to have a Russian number one in the middle of you know good job Wimbledon there. That's what you that's what you got. You, you know, as I say, you, you play clown games, win clown prizes. Um, the that's probably that's probably harsh, but yeah. uh, but you know, but that, they, I'm sure they I'm sure they I'm sure they don't love that. That the outcome is going to really be of the yeah. of this whole thing. It's going to be Medvedev's yeah. number one, and the outcome is that. The Russians have been able to use it as, you yeah, know, exactly. As, 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 exactly. They've you know, become they're against us, and yeah. we also have a number one, it's, which is the worst, <laughs> the worst case scenario. That's so. <laughs> not great. Not great for Wimbledon. Uh, anyway, the uh, yeah. So uh, Medvedev, Medvedev was, was good. He's, he's always like articulate and always thoughtful and interesting. And I thought he was generally, you know, really good. I don't know if there's something more specific you want me to address, but I thought he was. No, I was just nice having him impressed. I missed him impressed because I've been in a lot yeah. of tournaments without him lately. I've been in a lot of tournaments this year, period, and. He was in Mem- he was in Miami, but um, yeah, but it's just not having him back. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree. And, and you know, he was he kind of w- w- with those the questions about Wimbledon. He he just really tried to strike kind of an even tone, you know, saying 
you know, I understand. I, I accept it if you know if I'm able to play, I'll play. If not, he I'll said. He said, play. "I still want to play. Yeah. Like, they still let me play. I yeah. still love to play." He said, I, I, "I love Wimbledon. If I can't play, I'll be back next year." Um, I, you know, I do wonder. I, I just do do wonder, like, how much that is him. You know, being steered, not just him, just just in general, like how you know if they've been taught, if Russian players have been no. kind of warned, you know. Don't don't express so much dismay because then that I'm, will. I'm sure he thought about getting these questions, especially at a Grand Slam pre-tournament press conference. I'm sure he and his agent and whatever would talk about what they yeah. want to say about this. And, sure, yeah. um, but I, he doesn't. It's why it doesn't come off canned either. Like yeah, it, yeah, it, it comes off natural for him. And um, yeah, you know, he's not giving. You know, what he's not really commenting on the war for or against either, which has been also the Russian. I mean, they they sort of you know we want peace, whatever. He said things like that too. But like, yeah. Anyway, it's just a it's just an interesting. Uh, Interesting moment, and he's an interesting, super interesting guy, as yeah. y'all know, for a long time. Um, interesting number one yeah. <laughs> when he comes back there. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah. just, sorry, just one more thing to note that mm-hmm. I think the, the little kid's happy again, no? Yeah, it's interesting him talking about that. He got asked about that by, I think, Catherine Whitaker actually um, asked him about that today about the Australian Open, like being back at a slam for the first time since you had your monologue. She didn't call it that, but that's what it was in Australia, which was a wild, we were both there. <laughs> that was a wild buckle up moment for that press conference. <laughs> Fascinating, uh, yeah, yeah, really fascinating and interesting, sure. um, and unexpected. Um, which, I like all those things, uh, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, he's basically just kind of saying like I had a having a rough day. Like that was like obviously like you know extreme version of the emotions, and the kid is dreaming again. He, they kind of tried to commercialize it, which I found kind of kind of kind of gross, honestly. But uh, not gross, just tacky. But anyway, uh, yeah, he's he's uh, yeah, yeah, nice to have him back. Uh, enjoy what we can at slams here. Uh, all right, so that is uh, uh, it for the draws. And let us uh, wrap up here. Timani, thank you for being on here. Any other thoughts for uh, this tournament? I'm just re- I'm, I'm ready for it to begin. It's been, a, it, you know, this is, as we said, like, this is a longer stretch without a slam, and now we're back. We're back, baby. Ale. <laughs> Au revoir. Au revoir. <laughs> Señores, señores, yo siempre estoy ready, yo siempre estoy ready. Para romper cadera, romper corazones, oh, solo existe una, solo existe una. No